Alright, so save all your F-bombs for, for later, alright? <laughs> what the... Uh, so thanks for joining. We have um, a special guest that's going to be going through uh, Zach Griffin from Grouse. Thank you for joining, uh, Zach. Uh, and I know it's been a while since we had a club meeting. And so thank you all for joining. Awesome. And uh, but before we do that, I just wanted to run through a couple of um, kind of noteworthy things uh, going on these days and feel. Oh, and it's it's always a. Uh, open forum right so feel free to ask questions or provide your input um but more input on these meetings uh, especially since we're not face to face i know that's kind of hard sometimes uh but feel free to interject whenever tell me to shut the fuck up whatever you know i don't care um so we haven't had any meetings for a while right so i'm going to try to do this bi-monthly uh moving forward and hopefully that works out um there's actually Hey, Peter, since you're here and it's midnight, so Peter Fold is in Hungary. You guys think you guys are hardcore, right? He's in Hungary. What time is it in Hungary right now, Peter? Yeah, it's midnight. midnight. That's dedicated, right? So I want to give you just a moment to talk about what we're going to have on the March club meeting. Uh, so if you want to just give a real brief kind of... Uh, uh, talking points about uh, what you've got going on, and then we're going to have a further discussion about what Peter's doing on in on the March meeting. So go for it, Peter. Thanks. Yeah, um, I'm I'm just planning to uh, talk a bit about uh, malting. As some of you might know, I I uh, make my own malt and uh, got. Uh, some experience in that, so I'd like to share that with you. And uh, I'm also working on this uh, molting machine, so I'll briefly uh, talk about that a bit, maybe as well. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks, Peter. So um, maybe I'll try to work around your time a little bit better, so that you don't have to do that. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, I mean. It's it's okay. Maybe if it's a bit earlier, that's okay. that, that'd be nice. But I can, of course, uh, most of you in are in North America, so I have to I, uh, yeah. adapt. I just selflessly do it because um, I like to start drinking beer at three o'clock on a Saturday. So that's the reason why we scheduled this. <laughs> yeah. Time, so. yeah, that's a great time. That's a great time. I, and I, I hope you guys are interested in more things. So, I mean. Kale and Stuart, we kind of, uh, I mean, we just discussed it. I think I lost you, Peter. All right, well, um, if your audio comes back, we can get back to you, but... Um, Let's just move on and a couple of things. So uh, the other couple of things I wanted to mention is um, there was kind of the most uh, talked about thing on the Facebook page was this um, this Penn State Andrew Ledley uh, deal that uh, GC Grant uh, down in Australia had mentioned, which I had didn't notice when 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 uh, there was a Brew Lab podcast, if you hadn't heard. Right. And so that was with. Uh, 
uh, the Brewlosophy, uh, I think his name Nate's, name's Cade, who does that podcast. We had this gentleman named Andrew Ledley from, from uh, Penn State. I think he's a graduate student. Uh, talking about this mash technique for gluten-free ga- grains. Um, there's an article that I linked to in the, the kind of um, comments on that post that uh, G- GC put on there. Uh, bottom line is that there's this uh, process that they have said they're trying to patent called the XGM decoction mash procedure. Um, people that have been <laughs> doing this for a long time would probably know that's just kind of, I don't know how to put it without cursing, but uh, it's been something that's been done and written about, I think, for a very long time. Uh, Andrew Lavery, there's information that's posted on even like gluten-free home brewing uh, out there. And if you look at some of the articles, the article that's in the Penn State, uh, it's kind of like um, just, it basically says all the current gluten-free beers kind of all suck, right? And taste like crap, right? And we're going to find a way to make it uh, taste way better where they're awesome mashing uh, so anyways, it's kind of a TBD about what's going on with that. The the thing that made, I think, uh, Grant so upset was this uh, application for a patent. I'm not sure what they're trying yeah. to patent, uh, What whether that's like a mashing procedure. That doesn't seem like something you can patent. Um, I think that is what they're trying to patent, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if anyone has any thoughts on that. I'll, I'll open the forum for a minute on that. Good luck. That's my thought. Good luck trying to patent anything that requires just heating water and throwing malt in it. I mean, like literally, like there is literally nothing to patent here because this is already common knowledge because at brewers in Africa have been doing this for millennia. Um, you know, you, you don't think that they realize that they weren't gelatinizing their grain at the lower steeping temperatures that barley has. Like, it, I think the phrase that you were looking for, K, uh, Kale, is actually that's rich. <laughs> that's rich yeah yeah i was gonna use a different word but uh, thank you for that um i mean i i uh i agree it seems outlandish um but i, I believe there are uh other mashing techniques in the past that have been patented for what for what it's worth i mean i i tend to think you know most patents are a little bit bs especially the length of time that they're granted these days but uh, you know, for what it's worth, there there are patented processes in, in the brewing industry. So the bottom line is before you guys do any kind of mashing where you're not using any enzymes and deto- decoction mashing, you need to send an email to Penn State before you do that. Okay? <laughs> Just kidding. <Yeah. laughs> so we'll move on from there. We don't need to talk about that too much, right? So um, the other thing I wanted to mention is Stuart, who I don't think he said he couldn't be on uh, because of some other commitments. Uh, he started doing these awesome uh, uh, style guideline posts that he's posting both on the Facebook page and into the wiki. Uh, if you don't know about the wiki or haven't gone there before, it's awesome. He's put in a tremendous amount of work to collate every kind of piece of information you could ever think of on gluten-free, dedicated gluten-free brewing and, um, you know, recipes, styles, um, grains, I mean, everything, right? And 101, how to do uh, your first gluten-free brew, go there, look at that. It's, it's links to all sorts of resources that we've had through like the history of the club. It's almost a way of kind of collating all these things you can never find on Facebook. Um, so it's really cool. So I recommend that. But back to the style guidelines. So the first one was millet wine. 
And he wanted me to mention that he has another one that's um, in the pipeline that he's going to post really soon. He's just waiting a little bit of more feedback uh, to post that uh, that next style down that work. And he's going to continue to do those uh, over the next several months. So I thought that's real cool. Um, the last one is just the kind of club stats. Right now, there's over 1,500 members, which is pretty cool. Uh, the top countries are the US, Australia, Canada, UK, and Brazil. I think that's kind of falls in line with uh, what we see on who's posting and, and whatnot. And it looks like we have some new faces on this meeting, which is awesome. We haven't had one for some, uh, such a long time. I think I see someone in Hawaii on a beach, which makes me very upset, uh, but that's awesome. Thanks for joining. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining, Derek. Uh, and who else do we have on here that's never on? Uh, okay, so I'm gonna have to try to pronounce your name. Is it Eon? No, did I miss it? Um, Owen. Owen. Yeah, pronounce it like O-W-E-N. Oh, and, and just so, and, and you are located in, where are you located? Luxembourg. I'm Irish, but I'm located in Luxembourg. Okay, and so it's like super late there now, right, too? Uh, it's after midnight here, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joining at such a late hour. I appreciate it. Oh, it's okay. I'm interested, so I figured uh, I might as well show a bit of commitment. And that's all the topics I had other than getting to our guest speaker. And so again, I wanted to welcome Zach Griffin from Grouse Malthouse. Uh, I'm not gonna steal your thunder, but if you could just tell us maybe a little bit about your role at Grouse, uh, how did you end up working there? How long have you worked there? Your, your different roles through, through your time there, maybe give us a high level about that before you get into your presentation, that'd be awesome. Sure, thanks for that. Uh... So, uh, hello everyone, my name is Zach, uh, I work at Grouse. I've been there for about four years now. Um, started out in production, just doing packaging, um, doing the part of the malting process, um, and eventually I moved into quality as, um, so when I was hired, there was four of us in total, whole company, and um, now we're at about, I think, 12 now. Um, which, you know, that doesn't sound like a lot, but comparatively it is um, quite a bit. So um, I've kind of moved into more of a quality role where I basically my job is to follow every batch through the process, make sure that at every step it is doing the stuff that it is supposed to be doing and that we're releasing products that we feel good about that, you know, when you when you read our product descriptions, part of my job is to make sure what we sell you is like that is what that is, right? You know, we're trying to be consistent, be um, transparent in that way and make sure you're getting a good quality product. So that's what I'm doing now. And then I'm doing um, a little bit of R&D brewing on the side. And um, that's kind of the, the point of that is to kind of help our customers uh, or future current customers kind of figure out how to use our grain in the best way so that they can succeed. Because a lot of people get into the gluten-free brewing world and, and I guess they feel pretty intimidated um, by it because it's just not, you know, they've never brewed before or they're used to barley and, you know, so they're trying to make that transition. And so, you know, we're trying to um, 
make that as smooth as possible. So for example, um, on our blog post, I posted a porter recipe, um, just the percentages of the malt and hops and yeast and some recommendations there. So that'd be kind of an example of, of things that I'm doing there. Um, and you can hear me okay, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I can hear you great. Everyone else, great. any issues? Okay. As long as, as long as some people can hear me. <laughs> okay. Great, cool. So yeah, so uh, Grouse's gluten-free malt house in Wellington. Um, so we're doing millet, buckwheat, corn, and then we also source quinoa and oats. So um, I'm gonna kind of talk a little bit about, um, you know, Grouse itself and kind of new products that you might've seen on Gluten-Free Home Brewer or our website and, you know, kind of what we got in the works uh, down the line. So we'll get started on that. So this is kind of, you know, I talked about this a little bit. So, you know, I'm, my title is quality manager. So, you know, what is quality? This is kind of just a definition of quality in this context that was told to me in school. Because uh, QAQC is a um, pretty big role in fermentation, obviously. So, um, and like I said, you know, part of my job is to make sure the descriptors that we advertise on our list is what is actually what you're actually getting. So um, on particularly on gluten-free home brewer, but also on our blog, if you follow or social media, if you follow us there, you'll see we have a couple of new products. So um, I'll just kind of go through these. And so you can kind of understand what we're doing, why we're doing it, um, how you might use them. So first one up is um, our Griffin Millet Malt. So this is, um, so as some of you might know, we have a Caramel 90 roast. And so this is actually, this is cool because this is the same color as that, but it's not roasted. It's all kilned. And when you put them next to each other, they're actually quite different. It's, it's really fascinating that kind of, you know, the roasting element brings different aspects to it. So. How we did it was we just utilized higher kiln temperatures to achieve a uh, 90 SRM um, unroasted malt. So you kind of got some aromas of plum, toffee, sugar, chocolate in there. Um, the utilization is kind of a, a question mark because it's a pretty new uh, product. I used it, you know, 10, 15%, kind of like your darker your darker malts, but um, I'd be excited to hear how other people use it. And so kind of just some, you know, recommended styles down there. And speaking of millet wine, it's what I got right here, actually. So cheers there. Um, and it's really cool because this, this uh, malt brings that really kind of black. You can see it looks black, but it's actually a really deep, dark red. So if that's something you're looking for, this is great for that. Hold on, Zach. I got to ask. Did you sorry, name yeah. that out? Did you name that one after yourself? No, actually, I name name, I wanted I wanted to name it Blackbird because um, it, some Blackbirds because our whole like Grouse's whole theme is kind of like birds. Like a lot of our 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 malts or our equipment is named after birds, and um, there are Blackbirds that have a black kind of body and then red tipped wings. And I thought, oh, it's kind of a black but red malt. That's what I'll call it. And um, Twyla, the the owner, she's like, we should call it Griffin malt because I like helped develop that recipe. And I was like, okay, 
I don't need to argue that. You can name it after me if you want. That's cool. Um, so yeah, I didn't name it, but I'll, I'll take it. Nice. Um, yeah. So, uh, so we had a lot of requests and in Barley, you see, um, a couple different Munich malts and, and we have a Munich malt that you can kind of use as a base, you know, for, um, kind of margins and stuff like that. Um, but we wanted to make a, a darker Munich. And when I say darker, I mean, you can see in the picture, this is about um, kind of eight to 10 SRM. So it's not crazy dark. You could probably still use it as a base. Um, and basically we just took our, our Munich and kind of bumped up the heat and the time and to develop, this really develops that biscuit, toast, uh, nutty kind of aroma. So uh, like an ESB, this would be really great in. Um, but I just said down there, most styles, including German and Belgian styles. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's absolutely no reason you couldn't use this up to 100% if you really wanted that that malt forward um, beer. So, and then these are kind of in a in a grouping. So we we uh, released three roasts, um, and basically these are our Vienna malt that we make normally, and then we just kind of roasted them to various specifications. So this one, for example, is our medium. And it, it's the same color range as our medium roast, but that is a pale base. So you get um, some different aromas, flavors there. Um, and so basically the, the goal of these is to give you um, those Vienna flavors, but kind of change it with that heat exposure. So you get a lot more of that toast um, kind of toffee um, aromas. Jack, um, can I ask you a quick question? Yeah, absolutely. Um, for the darker Vienna and Munich roasts, are those uh, like a similar PPG to the base Vienna and Munich, or are they like slightly lower from the more intense like roasting? Right. No, that's totally fair. Um, so generally speaking, our roasts are so. For example, our Munich would be about a a ten or a one point oh three two. You know, in there kind of. Um, and our roast stick within, I'd say two points below that until you kind of get to the, 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 you know, um, I'd say the dark roast, the dark Vienna, and that's kind of where you're going to see that a little bit of decrease. So more like in the 1024, 1026. So you're still getting some fermentable sugars there, but, um, the drop is so negligible, you know, cause generally speaking, you're only going to use those in like small percentages. And this is with exogenous enzymes or is this with endogenous enzymes that you're gaining this reading? That would be exogenous, yeah. And, and have you used every single uh, enzyme cocktail or is this a proprietary blend that Grouse uses? Because I was looking at your 2018 research yeah. and you guys featured a glucoamylase that actually almost no, uh, you know, like no home brewers that, I, that I'm aware of use. I know that there's maybe one or two, uh, you know, breweries that are using that specific cocktail um, a lot of people are using Termomil, but not a lot of people are using AMG 300. So I was kind of curious what actual enzymes you're using to get these readings. Right, sure. So yeah, um, primarily we looked at Termomil back then, like you said, Termomil, and then a glucoamylase, the AMG. Um, and then after that, we saw, you know, kind of that shift that you were, this, what you were alluding to is this shift in what enzymes people were using. So we started doing some research with Ceramix and uh, some uh, with Ondia Pro as well. Okay. And this is with just a uh, single enzyme or the enzyme cocktail of both Ondia and Ceramix? 
Uh, so generally speaking, our numbers that we report to people are based solely on ceramics, but um, we have some, so what that study well, you- You kind of don't necessarily need um, on DO when you're using a millet because of the high quantities and activity of limit dextrinase and specific temperatures and pHs. So I could totally see the reason for that. Is it a rising typically with ceramics or is it a single infusion or a falling? What so we you did, um, uh, and th this is something I really want to publish soon because we did a lot more research on these mash regimes that we don't have on our blog, kind of a follow-up post to what you're referring to. But um, so typically right now I recommend to people a ceramics rising, um, but we did study with falling as well because we realized that depending on your uh, equipment uh, restrictions, you may not be able to do one or the other. I've talked to people who can't yeah. do one or the other. So they want to know, yeah. you know, how detrimental that's going to be. True. Um, no, I mean, I, I see it a lot. I mean, in fact, Alan uh, Windhausen is one of the key editors for the book that we're writing, um, that, that I'm writing with Burr's publications. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, just even mentioning the decantation mass, uh, he had a, a very long comment uh, on the decantation mash, um, basically stating that it is almost cost prohibitive and almost impossible to do at scale, right? Which is a really interesting consideration when you yeah. look at it, quote unquote, um, in Ledley's words, novel method, where it's like, okay, well, are we also going to create novel brew houses that can brew specifically to this method? Yeah. Like, so it's kind of interesting, kind of, yeah, because I mean, like, yeah, I mean, at, uh, you know, at, on, on small batch, yeah, rising is no problem for us. Not right. a lot of a problem for very many home brewers, probably right. a lot of the people that are on this call, but going at scale and then also throughput, right? Like, do I want to have a two hour mash or do I want to have a one hour mash? Do I want to have a four hour mash? Right. right? A lot of these are, you know, it just really depends on the system. <laughs> Jesse. Uh, um. Yeah, so, uh, and we have had um, a little bit of, um, we've had a few, uh, some customers actually use uh, ceramics in a single infusion mash, and they they said they've had success. Now, I don't have, you know, I don't have the data, like, they don't usually provide us with all their data and their numbers and stuff, so when they say success, I don't truly know what that means, you know. <laughs> Did um, it make beer? Sounds like a success to me. Right. Well, and some of them weren't use enzymes, using enzymes before at all. And I'm like, well, of course it was better with enzymes, you know, but true. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. Um, kind of to, to wrap that up, it's, it's, there's definitely some, uh, a lot more mash research that we've done with some, uh, independent labs that we would like to publish in the future and that I think will kind of answer some of those questions and probably raise more, but you know, we'll have to have you back for our yearly um, gluten-free mashing meeting. So. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> okay. Um, cool. So, uh, right. So back to the, uh, let's see, this is chocolate Vienna, right? So, so this is basically our chocolate roast, very similar, right? You still get those chocolate notes, but you kind of get um, some different depth there. So, you know, I right here, I put uh, caramelized brown sugar and toasted crackers. So really this is gonna be more of a bready focused version of our chocolate roast. Um, and I say, you know, these utilizations I'm putting here are um, very subject to change. And, and the reason I will, I'll get to why I, um, that is uh, a little bit later. And then finally, um, ooh, a little blurry, uh, finally the dark, Vienna roast. So again, um, same specs as our dark 
millet or pale dark millet. But this one, you kind of get some of those um, kind of more nutty, woody characters, which is really cool. And um, again, with the, the utilization uh, up to 5%, that's kind of what I tell people because we have a lot of people who uh, complain about, oh, I wanted to make a dark beer, but then I did and it tasted burnt or accurate or ashy or whatever. Um, so that's why I caution people, you know, maybe don't use more than 5%, you know, be careful with that. Um, let's see. Cool. Okay. So yeah, this one, this one's fun. Um, so, you know, we make buckwheat, right? We, we malt buckwheat and that is, uh, really, you know, we push that because that's your body, that's your foam, you know, that kind of thing. It's not really providing a whole lot of necessarily flavor or aroma even, I mean, a little bit, you know, and some people, I've definitely heard people say, oh, buckwheat, you know, you get that kind of earthy dirt-like taste. And I, I totally get where you're coming from there. So this product, I'm excited to get it in people's hands to see how they um, see if that, this kind of changes their mind. So basically what we did is we took, like it says there, took our pale buckwheat and our caramel millet recipe and basically just jammed them together. And um, it creates uh, still uh, genuinely, you know, it's it's still genuine to that buckwheat, but it gives you a lot more of that sweet bread caramel aromas and you can utilize it in exactly as pale buckwheat. So yeah, looking forward to people's feedback on that one to see if it kind of combats their, um, their problems with pale buckwheat. Um, cool, so Kale kind of wanted me to talk about, you know, how do we make new products? What are our factors? Kind of what's coming down the pipeline for y'all besides what I've just been talking about here. So as you might've noticed, um, when I talk about how we make these products, you'll see, oh, I say we did this, but more heat, or we took these procedures and combined them. Yeah, that's really what we're doing, right? We're taking techniques from our current portfolio and you know modifying them or combining them or you know that kind of stuff. And um, as I'm sure you're all aware, when we're developing these new products, there's just not a whole lot of uh, literature information on gluten-free malt or beer, really. <laughs> so we kind of take um, available literature and, and experiences from, you know, what we can get, right, which is typically barley brewing and kind of say, oh, how can we take that and utilize it for our purposes? And, yeah, and there's definitely, you know, a little bit of that collaborative effort there with, you um, you know, other, other brewers, other monsters who want to share their experiences and their information with us. And so kind of, you know, how do we decide, you know, when we're going to make something new or how we're going to make something new. So, um, you know, that's come, I have four factors there, but really it's, it's really just <laughs> two or three. Um, so market demand and consumer demand, right? So market demand, what I'm referring to there is like, you I'm sure you're all aware the rising trend of or the, the, the not rising it's already risen of uh hazy ipas juicy ipas those kinds of beers those are super popular never heard um of those are the ones that people really i see those winning medals constantly in gluten-free and not and the kind of key ingredient at least from a barley standpoint um and no reason it wouldn't translate to gluten-free is uh you use oats in those beers for that haziness and that body and so you know we're looking at developing malted oats as a product that we sell we sell rolled oats right but that's not the same thing so we kind of look at those trends and see how can we fit into that 
And then it really just comes down to, for us, since we're a production malt house, we have to figure out, okay, you know, we, we really want to make all these awesome products, right? But when, and then where are we going to put them, <laughs> right? So that's kind of a big key factor here. You know, we have a, a really great complex, but we're still limited on space. You know, unfortunately, we don't have this big sprawling warehouse. So we have to kind of pick and choose when and how we're going to make new stuff. So let's hey, see. So, um, hey, uh, hey, Zach. Yeah, what's up? Um, on the oats, um, let me just say that I personally don't do oats at all. And I know a lot of people that are celiac don't do oats. Right. Uh, they have reactions to the avenine protein. Right. I knew, I knew someone was going to bring that up. <laughs> So, uh, any other suggestions for like a hazy IPA other than oats? And a second to that would be, is there, do you have, are you on the oats? Are you getting certified gluten-free oats? And then I, I'm assuming that you are. And then is that just in the regular production facility? How do you, how do you do oats? How are you going to do oats? Right. So yeah, uh, no, it's a great question. And you know, that was kind of one of my hesitancies going into this, developing this product is right. Like I knew, we all knew or Twyla at least knew that, um, you know, oats, there is potential, right. For people to have reaction to that. Um, but it's kind of, it kind of came down to one of those things where like, you know, we, we see people are still asking for it. There is like the demand there. And so we're going to try it and see, you know, we're, we're going to get it to where we want it as a good product that we feel comfortable selling and we're going to sell it. And, you know, if it kind of turns out to be one of the things where, you know, the, the demand's just not there, then, you know, right. We, we won't keep doing it. Um, as far as handling goes, yeah, absolutely. Certified gluten-free. Like we don't, yeah, we don't mess around when it comes to getting, you know, certified gluten-free products. Um, as far as handling in the, you know, and we test that before it even comes in the facility. Right. So no chance that there's going to be cross-contamination there. And then once it is in the facility, we, you know, anytime we switch, products on our system we do a full clean down of the system at each step as the products kind of follow each other right so there's no so you know we're talking about um dry cleans and wet cleans um you know since we're dedicated gluten-free we don't have multiple systems at least not yet um if we get multiple systems that'll be a factor of expansion you know not necessarily like we're trying to keep products separate um is that kind of kind of what you were looking for yeah no that's perfect thank you cool yeah. Um, I have a question actually. I I was actually listening to a couple of those Brewlosophy podcasts today, and one of the points that they always mention is barley has been modified over thousands of years, specifically to make beer. Right. So a lot of what you've spoken about up until this point has been about after you get the barley, what you guys do with it, the malting, the kilning mixing and matching and stuff are you guys going back further back up the the chain and working with farmers and trying to get cross-breeding different strains of things and kind of trying to bump up some of the some of the good starches and things like that because obviously barley has been bred and it's been refined and crossbred and all the rest specifically for beer over thousands of years but millet obviously doesn't have that Right. Um, history. Right. Yeah. No, I, I think, uh, Kayla, I think you actually asked me that question or someone did um, about 
the chances of crossbreeding and genetics and stuff like that. And um, the, my answer for you at this moment is that right now we're more focused on making sure that we can keep our inventory moving and not necessarily uh, picking and choosing, um, you know, different types. We, we use Prozo and that's what we've always used as, as far as a type of millet um, because of really because of the recent weather patterns and droughts and stuff, we are definitely more focused on making sure our inventory continues to move and not necessarily getting, you know, that far back into it. We, as far as like making sure the product is up to our specifications. Yeah. We're going to keep doing that. You know, we'll try different, um, you know, try a product from different farmers and stuff like that. But right now, uh, our kind of only prerogative is making sure that we can keep supplying our customers and making sure that uh, the it malts the way we want to. So we're not kind of we're not into that far into the weeds at this time. Yeah, maybe someday I I would like. Yeah, to yeah. Hope. Okay. I, yeah, yeah. I did ask Thank you, you. I did ask you something like yep. that in our pre-call, and I scratched right. out the the question after we talked. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but maybe you could follow on to that is interesting because you guys are located kind of in a place where millet is kind of like a cash crop, right? And, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but tell us about like, I think of like, like the economies of scale for like barley as opposed to millet. It's like barley, they're malting like huge, like huge, like, you know, malt houses that are malting barley. You guys have this one small place that's doing millet. But right. in, even from a farming perspective, are those farmers growing millet just for you or are they growing it just for bird seed, right? What, I mean, right. It's, talk, it's, um, it's kind of both, you know, we get, we get our grain from at least three different, probably more than three different places at, at, depending on, um, you know, whether it is, we're actually kind of uh, dipping into organic millet at times. That's a whole other thing, but um, you know, it's, we do organic, we do non-organic, we get it from, you know, different farms, different, um, facilities. So yeah, I mean, we're not, it's not just one source. Um, it's a couple of different places, but, um, it's still the same type. Okay. Does that answer your question? It does. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. As far as, uh, in-depth supply chain stuff, um, that's more of a Twyla's game, but that's about, you know, generally speaking, yeah, we're not looking at um, crossbreeding and stuff at the moment. Okay. Yeah. So can I, can I ask something real quick? And you, you might not be able to answer this question, but sure. um, uh, New Belgium last year came out with a beer called uh, like Torch to Earth or something like that. Yeah. And yeah. Um, which like, you know, some people were, pretty upset by it seemed that they made it intentionally to be disgusting yeah and they i noticed in all the press releases they used millet and buckwheat uh malt and uh did they could you say whether or not they acquired those malts from grouse or if you guys knew what they were gonna do with it you you can say <laughs> you can't answer i'm just kind of curious because a lot of right right yeah that was that. um <laughs> that was when that came out so okay yeah, let me back up. Um, so generally, when they when customers buy from us, most of the time we don't have any idea what they're going to do with it. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, 
Um, as far as if they acquired it from us, yeah. Uh, I don't, as far as I know, they don't buy Mill and Buckley from anyone else. They could, I, you know, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that they bought it from us. And yeah, we had no idea that they were going to um, market it that way, shall we say. Um, and when it came out, we were kind of like, ugh, really? Like, okay. Like, I get, you know, it's kind of one of those things where like, um, I get the intent. It was well-intentioned. I get what they're trying to do. You know, New Belgium's a very um, climate focused, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And that's great. Right. Um, but yeah, it was a little weird. I, I wasn't trying to put you on the spot. I just kind of, yeah. Because <laughs> a lot of people no, saw you're good. that. You're a lot good. Of people saw that. And I, I think, like you said, it seemed well intentioned, but it was a little bit cringy. <laughs> it was a little, yeah, it was a little bit cringy. And we were kind of like, well, oh, well, I guess. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. they put like smoke tainted hops or something in it too. They, they, it was like just a, a mess. But. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I didn't buy that beer. I was like, I could go, I could, but I'm, no, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I don't pay money for beer. That's designed to be bad it's <laughs> for a good cause. Um, cool. Uh, any other questions at the moment? Cool. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, so here's kind of a list on, you know, what we're looking at doing in the future. This, this list is kind of not in any particular order of, you know, when we're going to get to it. This is just kind of the stuff that we have in the works. So we've had a couple customers ask us for smoked malt. Um, I already have an idea on how we're, I already know how we're going to do it. Um, we have equipment that will modify to do it. Um, it's just a question of seeing if that demand, you know, continues, um, and kind of the same thing with acidulated malt. Um, you know, we've had some people ask us for that and I totally understand why, um, I have, you know, I, I know how we'll do it. It's kind of one of those things again with the smoked malt, um, we're going to see if that demand continues to appear and, um, you know, look into that because people definitely want, you know, those smoked beers, they want to use acidulated malt instead of, you know, phosphoric acid or lactic acid or whatever it is that they're using. And then I already talked about the malted oats um, and custom. So custom malting, I think, is the, the big one for some people. Um, I think uh, most people here probably saw, um, oh, my gosh, um, oh, Jason. Jason's Jason. post yeah. about the uh, extra, we did extra light. We did a caramel 50 and we did a, there's one thing, one he didn't mention on there, but we did a roasted red wing and red wing is our kind of our caramel 40, but we roasted it up to about 120, I think SRM. Um, and, uh, you know, we're kind of, I, I would love, as much as I would love to just cuss, open the floodgates to, Hey, we'll make anything you want. <laughs> um, I would love to do that because it's a lot of, honestly, it's a lot of fun to make these products. Um, but it kind of goes back to that you know, storage and feasibility and stuff, uh, scheduling. It's like we, as much as I'd love to do that, we can't just drop everything and just make custom malts randomly. Um, that was kind of a, um, I'm not going to say it was, a, it wasn't a one-off. It was kind of, well, yeah, we'll do it. And we'll see how, how, uh, you know, how Jason reacts. I think JP probably got some of that. Is he in here? I think I saw him. He's hiding in the shadows. So you yeah. JP? I know that they, they're buds, so I'm sure he got some of that, or they at least talked about it. Um, so, you know, that's kind of a, that's kind of a doing some different stuff that people request a few times, kind of feeling it out a little bit, you know, and we'll see where that goes. 
Um, so can you tell tell us like so custom malting? I'm I'm assuming that is only for like a commercial brewery that wants like a pallet or like a right. huge amount. They're buying directly from you. Yeah, you're not gonna be doing something like for Joe Schmo that wants five pounds of something. <laughs> no, right? no, we we actually um, our roaster. I don't. I mean, it would, it would work, right? Like our roaster has, um, not a five pound capacity. It's a se roughly 70 pound capacity. So if I just threw five pounds in there, like, yeah, it would roast, but it would be weird. It's not really meant to be underutilized in that way. Um, and so that means, okay, anything I do, I have to at least make, you know, 50, 60, 70 pounds. I have to at least fill it up most of the way. And, you know, if one person wants this one random roast, it's like, okay, cool. I did it. Here it is. But now this other 60 pounds is going to sit on the shelf and go back for months. Right. Yeah. That, that's kind of, that's kind of where it's at. Yeah. And when I, when I say custom roasting, what I mean is to, to elaborate on what that is, is um, he told us what he wanted. He was like, I want these five things. And we're like, okay, we can do four of those things. Here you go. And that, that's kind of what that, what that um, looks like. What, what if, what if um, I'm just like spitballing here, but um, cause obviously, like you said, you need to produce enough that, that it won't just sit around and there's interest in it. It'll be worthwhile for you guys. But, um, you know, a lot of folks do buy their, uh, grouse malts from Brian at gluten-free home brewing. Right. Um, you know, if, if right. the club got crazy and did like a, a, you know, a vote or something on Facebook to make like one awesome, you know, zero tolerance custom malt or whatever, I'm just curious if there would be any interest if there was enough demand for it. I mean, like um, I would love to do that. That sounds amazing. Um, ultimately, it's not totally just up to me. That would be something I'd have to pass on to a couple people, you know, up the chain. But I would love to do that. That sounds awesome. Um, so I think, like, if that's something, you know, as a club you want to do, totally do it. You know, do that. At least do a poll, right? And then we'll kind of start that conversation, you know, and see what we can do. I'm not speaking for the club. I have no right. party at all. Right. No, but I like the idea. I'm ship just it, curious. Ship, ship it to Jesse. He's going to organize the whole thing. Thanks, Jesse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, spoke up. you spoke up. You spoke up. I have a quick question, too. Um, yeah. So um, Jason mentioned at least one of the malts that you did for him. He was pretty high on. Would you ever turn those into a, a one of your basic? Oh, you mean he used theory? like a lot of it? Yeah. Would you ever transfer that into your normal production? Uh, maybe. I mean, it kind of, I, I had no idea he was going to use it in that way. I mean, it's awesome that he did because it makes sense when I read the post um, that he would do that because it is, you know, I think, I think we called it like our extra lighter or double lighter or something like that. Yeah. Basically what we did is basically it's like, um, I would, I would equate it to searing a steak. Like that's what we did. We took, took the malt in there. It was like, all right, and it's done. Um, so you can use it in high volume. So yeah, I mean, if speaking to what I said about needing volume, if there was any one of them that would make it to the regular lineup, yeah, like that has the potential, right? It's, because he, he's a little special because he posts all of his recipes. So if he posts a recipe with a custom malt, yeah, and we want to make it, yeah, what yeah. do we do now? No, I, I, I absolutely love that he does that. I wish more people did that. It's very cool. But yeah, I get it. It's it's a little um. Like, oh, I really want to do that. And yeah. Um, I didn't know if maybe you were just using him as a, a testing facility. And, and uh, 
No, there's nothing official. He's just, um, I don't know. We just did it. I don't have an answer there. (laughs) Yep, thanks. Yeah. Um, Let's see here. Oh, so this is kind of kind of getting near the end here. So one thing I, when I was talking about utilizations for our new malls, this is kind of, I made a comment about um, that. So this is what I was kind of alluding to. So, um, and you guys may, a lot of you may already know this. So, you know, there's this this um, base malt versus specialty malt kind of terminology that exists, right? So often when someone says specialty, it means, oh, you can't use a lot of it because of whatever reason right here I say, you know, lack of extract, lack of um, diastic power, whatever it happens to be, protein, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so I want to kind of like just mention that, like, if any of you were kind of following that mentality, like try not to, because thanks to, you know, our, our products being a little unique compared to barley, as far as flavor profile and aroma profile go. And the fact that we have enzymes, enzymes leveling that playing field of, you know, PPG, whereas like a lot of those specialty malts have lower, lower PPG, we, ours don't generally speaking. Right. So a great example being goldfinch, um, which is kind of our, if I were to equate it to barley, it'd be like a caramel 10, um, doing a goldfinch smash beer. I think, um, a couple people in here did, I think Ryan did one, but, um, yeah, I mean, you can totally do a goldfinch, all goldfinch. And I, I made one. It was delicious. It was great. I had no problems with extract. I had no, actually, if anything, it had a better foam, uh, head retention on it than what I've experienced before. So, um, yeah, I just kind of wanted to put that out there, especially when you're trying, I'm not saying go make a hundred percent dark roast. Um, I mean, if you want to try, I guess, but it's probably not going to taste very good, you know, but when it comes down to these kind of, um, slightly darker malts, you know, don't feel like you need to be restricted. Talk to JP. He's done a smash of like everything. (laughs) I totally will because I'm, there's some, there's some malts that I'm like, man, I want to do a smash. I don't know if I should though. Have we done it? I don't know how we've made it this long in a meeting and not heard from JP. That's very out of the ordinary. <laughs> he must be like, like, like I think he's slinging beers. Probably, yeah. I got about ten pounds of goldfinch in my garage. So maybe I should look at this. Absolutely. So, so what I would say about that is, um, you know, realize that when it comes to things like, you know, so keep to continue talking about goldfinch. Um, goldfinch is um, very strong in flavor and aroma and it's kind of sweet so that goldfinch smash if you're going to do that definitely bump up your your hops from what you would normally do because otherwise it's going to taste um, kind of sickly you'll get a really strong cherry note so um, at least that's my experience so kind of you know if you're doing if you were going to do 30 IBUs before maybe you think about doing 40 to kind of balance that out uh, let's see here. Oh, cool. And um, yeah, thanks for uh, listening to me run my mouth for a while. Um, anyone have any questions for me? Um, this isn't much of a question, but it's a comment on the, uh, was it the Goldfinch smash recipe? If you're going to try something like that. I did one with uh, C10 millet, which sounds like very similar. Right. Um, and JP and I talked about it on a, a Instagram live that's on my Insta account. And I did, I pulled a third of the runnings and treated that with um, the glucoamylase for 30 minutes before dumping that into the boiling water. 
so okay. you're and it finished out at 10 10 and that helped combat the you know like it being overly sweet yeah um and i used that time i used like 15 pounds for a five gallon recipe ended up with like 1065 i think is my starting gravity okay so i mean you know next time around i would probably go more for like um like peter was saying he's got like 10 pounds of it so i go 10 pounds probably like you said about 30 40 ibu um something more of a noble hot probably yeah i'd agree better like you know kind of that um earthy yeah, yeah good because like you've got that sweet caramel and then you kind of want to back that up with that mm-hmm. earthy peaty flavor right um and that's something i'm actually planning to do as a kid on my <laughs> nice that's cool yeah no that's a that's a great suggestion um because yeah i mean i um i think that one time i did do other the first time i did that uh i think it finished it just dead stopped at 10 20 and i'm like oof it's a little high yeah oh well <laughs> but yeah you definitely got to do something to help it yeah. or maybe like uh fungal amylase in the fermenter is another mm-hmm. possibility i haven't tried doing that but i've never done anything like that yeah um getting a really good mash regime in um and i think i've written about that that process before too so anyone that wants to give it a shot i'd suggest trying that out yeah and um now that we're since we're kind of talking about it i would encourage you know anyone to um go to our blog and kind of check out those various posts it might it might um answer some questions on various topics or it might raise some questions and um you know you can definitely ask me i'll um kale can provide my email to the group i don't know how you would do that if it's in the chatter or what but um we can definitely do that and, and you can email me with questions uh yeah Excellent. Uh, I don't have a question, but I did just want to throw out there. I, I think I remember from like February or something, going back to the mashing regimes, falling and, and uh, step mashes and stuff. Yeah. But I think in okay. February, you guys released some more updated info. Um, so you guys should check out the grouse blog. Cause I, I think you guys did do an analysis of both rising and falling. I don't think it was, I think it was with Andia and right. um, Tramel. Uh, I, I think uh, that was just the Tramel and Ceramix. Not okay. Sure. I'll have to look. I, I think it, if I remember right, it it hadn't yet done ceramics, but it was like Andia Terminal AMG 300 or something like that. But there is more updated information than the 2018 stuff that you guys were talking about earlier. Right. And um, we do have, uh, I don't know how helpful it will be, but I can, we have kind of um, mash regime recommendations we give out to our brewers and that's kind of I, I can also provide that to the to um I could post it in the Facebook or, or to the group or whatever people are curious as to exactly what we're recommending um here's a thought are you planning to uh add you know like all the new malts to like beer smith and those extensions yeah, yeah. So um, I'm actually glad that's a. I'm glad you brought that up. So I actually had um, a beersmith update 
uh, after we, I think soon after we released that, that data, um, on mashing and, and PPG and stuff, I actually had Beersmith. Um, I can't, I think, I think his name is actually Brian for Beersmith, um, who runs it. Um, I, I talked to him and I sent, I kind of, you know, brought all of our, our malts together and, um, had him kind of repost it on Beersmith. So, um, actually, <laughs> I now need to talk to him again to get all these new malts on there. So, so Beersmith, yeah, actually Beersmith has, I, I think it's just a grouse malt house add-on. There's, there's a gluten-free malt add-on, but I think there should be one specific for grouse now. Um, okay. There should be, I, I, I'd have to clarify that, but I, I think that's what it's called. And actually, um, yeah, I'll have to add these new malts into it because they're not there. You would have to, um, you know, manually add them in at this point in time. Yeah, that's what I've been doing, and it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I did our entire product lineup in an, in the Beersmith file, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this took forever." <laughs> so, wait, you guys just don't manually add them all to your 1997 version of ProMash? <laughs> Maybe that's just me. <laughs> did we even have computers um, in 1997? I don't remember. <clears throat> Bromash has been around forever. <laughs> what, what, any any uh, chance you could get them added to uh, Brewfather as well? Um, yeah, I, I, I'll have to look into that because I actually use Brewfather at home myself. So that's a good that's a good suggestion. I'll have to see. I don't know what the avenue is for doing that for them. I imagine it's probably the same as Beersmith where you just give them the, the data. Yeah, I've added a couple of them to Brewfather myself. The world's a okay. few of them there. I, I seem to have thought that uh, because you guys are based in Wellington, I seem to have thought you were based in New Zealand, I think, originally. So, <laughs> yeah, I, no, no, Wellington, Colorado. A lot of the default ones were saying it was uh, New Zealand, but I added a couple of more ones myself. I use them, so it's yeah. good. Um, yeah. yeah, and if there's... um. You know, I, I don't know all of the, the brewing apps, but um, I mean, if, if we could, if, I don't know where I would look, if, if we could get a poll, maybe there's a poll going where, what are the most popular ones people use, you know, besides Beersmith, I could look into trying to get all our malts added to all of those. I think that would be, I'm assuming that would be helpful for everyone. So I don't know, figure that out. Uh, just on your website, I'm on, on your website now as we're speaking. And I can't see where you post your recipes. I think the, the only one that I can see is, is um, a porter recipe. Right. So we don't, um, I don't actively post all the recipes on our blog. That was kind of just the one we wanted to highlight. Okay. Um, but, um, you know, it's not like I've, I've done a bunch of recipes, um, at least a dozen or, or more. And so um, I don't. Plan. I didn't plan on posting all of them, but they're not like, you know, it's not like it's a secret or anything like that. I'm more than willing to share anything, any recipe I've written, or if you have a question about a style, I could, I could do a recipe and kind of, so that kind of, you know, is a starting point for you. Um, but if you're curious about um, any particular recipes, I can, I, I don't know, would it, would it be um, helpful if I post them in the Facebook group, the Zero Tons group? I'm not sure what that, what that yeah, would look yeah. like yeah so the so let me take that one so we have 
uh, yeah, if you want to post anything like a link to your blog post or anything like that, so people are aware, I don't know if they aren't subscribing to that, they probably don't see those. I know that I probably wouldn't right. look at them otherwise. So if you have something interesting that you want to post to the Facebook group, that's fine. Um, yeah. And we're such a small niche, even with, I would yeah. refer to it as like advertising light, right? What I mean by that yeah. is like, I'm okay with, I, I think Stuart and I and the ad, people that run the, are the admins for the Zero Tunnels at this point, it's not like we have 30,000 members that are posting like, you know, links to their Etsy stores or something like that, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I'm, we're pretty lax on that stuff right now because it's such a small group. There is a file tab, right? I could just yeah. start. Could we could we do that somehow? At yeah, totally. Yeah. Or the other thing is, if um, you wanted to do not Facebook, then um, uh, mm -hmm. uh, Stuart's Wiki is where that that can can reside. Oh yeah, yeah. So he has links to numerous different recipes um, that are either homebrew talk links, uh, Facebook thread links, Brewer's Friend. I don't know if you can do that for Beersmith. I don't use that. I use Brewer's Friend. Uh, I don't know about the other apps as well, but um, right. but we have those linked in the wiki as well. Cool. And yeah, um, so yeah. Oh, and if you, if you have any questions about a recipe using our ingredients, feel free to, you know, email me. Um, or whatever. I'm yeah, cool. more than no, willing I, to help I, you out. I didn't even know that you guys posted recipes, so I just seen the portrait one there. So, um... yeah. And, you know, that's so I, I do want to make it known that that is primarily in the context of, um, you know, our ingredients, right? Like, I, I could, as far as using, um, you know, other grains, sorghum and the, the like, I, 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 I could, <laughs> in Europe, in Europe, I can only get your ingredients. I can't get oh, them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're, right. you're, it's a it's a closed market and you guys own cool so yeah so i just found um on beersmith when you go to your add-ons scroll down and you can find grouse add-ons and it's i think it's 20 27 grains okay so that should be that's it that's where yeah. they they put it Maybe they should add gluten free to that descriptor just so that. Right. Because I mean, you know, that's like naturally where you think to look. Yeah. Yeah. That's a little, it's not quite as obvious. Yeah. Right. Cool. But thank you for that because now I've added. Absolutely. I mean, we have more of your stuff in here now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and um, I believe. If you download the gluten-free add-on, that that's ours. So um, I would encourage you to, if you have the gluten-free grain add-on from Beersmith, to mm. delete because I think it gets Eckert and all the and some of the other monsters in there, like as a pack, right. like package or whatever. I would encourage you to delete our stuff from that and then re-download the add-on that's grouse because the information might change a little bit. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Cool. Anyone have any other questions for me? Who's the dog? Her name is Cabernet, and I'm sorry I changed my name midway through. You kept mentioning JP. I'm Alicia. I signed in under my husband's Zoom. Oh, I was about to say, you don't look like JP Beardley. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> thank you for joining. <laughs> so thank you for having me, and this is Cabernet. Awesome. 
So cool. awesome. Any other last questions for, for Zach? Uh, do you guys have a new plan for 2022 that's going to blow our minds and get us excited? <laughs> blow your minds. Uh, let's see. Um, probably not. <laughs> um, we have, I know we are looking at permitting and building a, a, a second warehouse. So that's pretty awesome. Um, not exactly any direct implicate immediate implications for you, but, um, you know, long-term that kind of, um, will allow, you know, the more, the more we are able to expand, the more likely we are able to provide you with new stuff. So, yeah. What are you excited about for 2022? What? What are you excited about for 2022? What am I excited for? Oh, geez, man. I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of facility stuff that, um, are is being updated and upgraded that I'm particularly excited about that'll make cleaning easier. <laughs> uh, so that's cool. Um, you know, multi, you know how brewing, brewing is mostly cleaning, right? Well, malting is kind of the same. <laughs> so I can appreciate cool. that. Yeah. If we would have known that, we would have never got into malting or brewing, right? <laughs> God. Oh, I knew going in and I'm just like, yeah, I guess I'm, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Awesome. We're cool. we are, Thank yeah. you. we're just a little past the hour. So um, any any last ones? Any last ones? No? Everybody I, I know it's like four o'clock, which is really close to five o'clock like in Pacific time zone. So and it's <laughs> Saturday and the potatoes off. I'm gonna start the shrimp. Oh yeah. And uh, so let me uh let me meet that okay so hey zach thank you so yeah. much for joining yeah. the club meeting and ha and uh, going over those new malts those are awesome i think almost all all of those should be available at glutenfreehomebrewing.com i'm not sure if they're available uh, for homebrewers anywhere else for people like jesse and bob they are special and they can order huge pallets full of those stuff uh yeah i also just jesse i also just realized you're wearing a grouse hat i kept looking at it and i'm just like that looks sort of familiar but i can't quite tell what it is and then i stopped and started staring at you all creepy like i'm like oh he's wearing a grouse hat just repping it just repping it nice love it that's awesome oh and one last thing is like i know we did a a, a t-shirt zero tolerance t-shirt thing um last year i'm we're gonna maybe try to do that again yes. in the near future so um anyhow uh, cool thank you so much to everyone for joining this is a great crowd we got yeah. people from all over the world to show up and we're gonna do this again at the end of march so i will put that out in a little bit of time closer to that meeting uh and we'll be able to talk again and thank you so much and everyone enjoy your rest of your saturday and even Sunday uh, morning for everybody <laughs> Ellen. Yes. Thanks, Cheers. Zach. Cheers. Take Thank care. You. Thank Cheers. you. Cheers.